Amen. Timeless testaments, giving your best through the test. You know, there's a popular saying that says, if God brings you to it, then what? He brings you through it, right? Uh, Is that true? And does God lead us into times of suffering? Is it Is it possible that God is leading me sometimes into a time where things don't feel too good, uh, where things don't look too good, or where I'm I'm struggling? And so does God lead us into troubled times? And have you ever gotten to those moments where you're asking, maybe you're asking it today, why me? God, why me? Why, Why now? Why this or why that? But what if we had to give up the why? Why did that happen? Why did that have to happen, God? What if we today have to give up the why, and because what if God's will is suffering for a season? Uh, Nobody likes to hear that, and we're going to talk a little bit this morning about the life of Joseph, and if God's will can be suffering for a season, and how we might be as faithful followers of Jesus Christ, those who navigate these trials with faith, and how do we follow God's plan Uh, when we don't have all the answers, when things don't make sense, and when we only have a piece of the puzzle, and when life is painful, can we still walk by faith and integrity and humility, patience, and forgiveness? Uh, But there's hope for you today, because here's the good news. Uh, If your life is struggling right now, if you are in pain, if you have doubts, if you have questions, if things aren't very uh, rosy right now, just know this. God is not done with you yet. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God's not done with you yet. God is not done with you yet. God's not done with you yet. You will be blessed in the test when you give God your very best. That's what we're talking about this morning. You will be blessed in the test when you give God your very best. Let me tell you the story of Joseph this morning. Um... Joseph was a man who was promoted through a pit. Uh, and have you ever been promoted to a lesser job? I don't know if that's happened to you before. Have you been promoted down, anybody? Uh, one time, when, we were, when I lived in uh, uh, Arkansas, the lower, the lower east corner of Arkansas, and we kind of lived on the Arkansas-Louisiana border when I grew up, my dad had a job at a factory, and uh, he was kind of over the docks and, and, and shipping and handling in this factory. And uh, he told the story... Uh, that he, this young kid comes in right out of college, he begins to train him and teach him everything he knows, and for some time he kind of learns underneath him. Come to find out, uh, the boss comes in one day and says, hey, this guy's going to be your boss. He had just spent months training this kid, this student out of college, uh, to be his own boss. Well, let me just say that that was the end of that career uh, and that job. And actually, that's the number one reason we moved to Missouri as a teen- when I was eight years old. Uh, is because my dad trained his own boss. Uh, and so anybody ever been promoted down, right? Uh, you had those situations before. And Joseph's story is kind of like that in a lot of ways. He was promoted down for a season. Uh, but God had this great plan. And Joseph is the miracle child of Jacob. And Jacob was up in years, and he has uh, this miracle child with his favorite wife, uh, Rachel. And he's the most loved son, and he's got ten other brothers right now, and they're all older Uh, separated in years, and because Jacob loved his wife so much and he loved Joseph so much as this miracle child, uh, he made him this multicolor coat, pieces of uh, colors all over it, and it was uh, symbolic of royalty. He was chosen, he was separated, and he didn't have to do all the work that his older brothers did, and for this reason, these brothers grew to hate and become jealous of Joseph. 
And to make matters worse, dad was just doting upon Joseph. And Joseph, one day, God comes upon Joseph and begins to give him dreams. And two separate dreams Joseph receives. Uh, one that he shows Joseph as a uh, stalk of wheat and all the other uh, ten uh, stalks of wheat bow down to Joseph, symbolic of his brother. So it goes in what any young little boy does, tells his brothers about them bowing down before him, and so they get angry. And then again, Joseph has another dream about the sun and the moon and the stars, uh, ten stars bowing down to Joseph. Again, he tells his brothers, and they, uh, man, that just puts it over the edge, right? And so, uh, how, who are you, little boy, uh, and your dad's most loved, to tell us that you're, we're going to bow down to you? But all of this, uh, Isaac or Jacob kind of kept in his, in his heart. And so, but yet God had given Joseph a piece of his plan. He didn't know everything that was going to happen. He didn't know what was coming up, but he knew God was going to use him. And his dad knew something was special about this boy. God, got pl- God has plans for him. But then there became the plot. All right, so God had a plan, but his brothers had a plot. And sometimes people have a plot against us. Uh, we may be doing everything we think we are supposed to do for God, but sometimes the world and its e- evil and man and his flesh and his carnality begins to plot against us. So his brothers begin to plot against us. They said, uh, specifically Judah, begin to say, hey, let's, uh, we got to get rid of this kid. He is no good, and his brothers were not good guys, so they decided to kill him. Uh, here's a you know, family TV show right here. They decided to kill their little brother. But then Reuben steps up and says, hey, don't kill him. If you're going to throw him in a pit, uh, at least don't kill him. Just leave him there. And, and Reuben in his mind thinking, oh, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to get my little brother out of there because this is dad's favorite kid. And so Reuben has a little bit of a heart, half of a heart, because they said, okay, Let's put him in the pit. They take his tunic, leave him there. And so now that he goes from a plan of God to the plot of his brothers, and he finds himself in a pit. Joseph, they throw him in the pit, and as they're sitting there thinking about uh, Reuben has gone off, and Judah and the, the brothers are beginning to talk, and they say, what are we going to do with this kid? And about that time, some traders come by, and they say, well, here's a good idea. Reuben's gone. You know what? He's standing up for this little, bro- this little brat. And uh, so let's sell him off. And so the traders come by, and they sell him off for 20 pieces of silver to the traders. And they take him into Egypt. And about that time, Reuben comes by. He's distraught. What did you do? You got rid of Dad's favorite son. How are we going to explain this? So they take that multicolored cloak, that robe, that tunic. They cover it in animal's blood. They rip it up, and they take it to their dad. And Jacob begins to weep for unconsolably uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks. So finally, we find Joseph. Bound in chains, headed to Egypt. He's 17 years old. What do we do when finally life, we think, okay, I've become a Christian. God is for me, not against me. I'm saved. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit's in me. I'm knowing, learning the Bible. But yet things don't always go our way, right? Amen? Anybody, if your things go your way, we want to hear from you after service, right? But if things don't always go our way, and so finally we say, well, where is God in all of this? We can have those moments we could, like Joseph. Joseph could have said, God, what about all these dreams you had for me? God, what about the plans that you had for me? What, well, I'm finding myself in the pit of life here. You know, the Christian life is not easy. And sometimes when we find ourselves in this pit, we can easily think God is punishing us. God, how could you do this to me? 
God, how could you take this from me? God, how could you do that? How could I go through this? You said in your word, God, we begin to question, maybe God doesn't like me. Maybe God's mad at me. Maybe I've done something wrong. We can cry out, God, I don't deserve this. You've forgotten me. But God had a plan for Joseph's life. But the first step was the pit. It's hard to reconcile that sometimes, right? God, you're supposed to be a good, benevolent, loving father. But yet, how could you let me go to the pit? To get to where he was got to go, right? Joseph had to go to the pit first. He had to get promoted through the pit. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 tells us that God causes all things. Turn, some, somebody say, all things. That's not just good things. God causes all things to work together, not just one at a time. God, I just want this one good thing and give me this one blessing and then make my life perfect. He says, I'm causing all things, good and bad, to make together a story of my glory for you, right? And so I'm causing all things to work together for the good of those who what? Love God. And are called according to his purpose. That doesn't mean you can live life how you want it. Doesn't mean that you can love other things more than God. It's for those who say, God, I love you, number one, first in my life. And two, God, I want your will for my life and not my own. That's the condition of God's blessing. Are you with me this morning? A lot of people want to claim God's blessing through the pit. But you have to say, God, I love you first. Your will be done, not my will be done. And so Joseph is now in the pit, and now he's been sold to slavery. God has a plan for your life, and he will reveal it to you, but sometimes we may have to go through a pit before being promoted. And the interesting thing about Joseph, which we can't pull out of the text uh, this morning, but he begins to accept the pit because he trusts in God. And let me give you this. Don't make your pit a pity party. Amen? Don't make your pit a pity party. For the follower of Christ, the pit is never punishment. It's always promotion. Amen? Your pit is never punishment. It is always promotion. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm being promoted. I'm being promoted. Romans 12, 2, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you prove what the will of God is, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. God's got a good, acceptable, and a perfect will for your life. But if you're in the middle of the pit, you just know by faith, I'm being promoted. That's what you need to look at your situation today. You find yourself in a pit, you just know, hallelujah, I'm being promoted. Amen. That's good news, right? Somebody got to say amen to that this morning. That's preaching. Amen. If I'm in the pit, it's not punishment, I'm being promoted. So he's promoted through the pit. Now let's move on. We find him in slavery now. He's been sold to a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar is the head of the the guard. He is over uh, the captain of Pharaoh's bodyguards. Uh, He's a rich man and a wealthy man. And Joseph is sold into slavery to Potiphar. But the Bible says that Joseph succeeded in slavery. Is that even possible? Joseph becomes a slave. And in Genesis, look with me in Genesis chapter 39, verse 2. Genesis chapter 39, verse 2, it says this, The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. How is that possible? God, I'm in the middle of prison. Anybody think you can be successful in prison? Here's Joseph. So, uh, Joseph, I'm a slave. I'm a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw, note that, that the Lord was with him. And how the Lord caused all he did to prosper in his hand. 
So Joseph found favor in his master's sight and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer of his house, and all that he owned he put in his charge. Joseph was blessed in the test. Look at that. He was blessed in this. He's a slave. But God began to bless everything he touched. We can think, God, I'm better than this. Lord, I don't deserve this. Lord, but Joseph began to work hard. He began to give God glory. He never let go of the dreams that God had put in his heart those, uh, that many months ago. And Joseph is standing there as a servant, and God begins to promote him because he's faithful. So he's blessed in the test. Let me give you some questions this morning. I'm going to give you five things after these questions. How are you blessed in the test? How do we go through our tests blessed? How do we praise in the middle of the pit? How do we shout with the shackles? And how are we faithful in the middle of a famine? All right? You've got a journey to go on. And maybe today someone in this room, uh, someone listening to this message online, you are going through uh, your pit experience. You're going through this journey of life. And we're all in this journey of life. We're all uh, waiting to that ultimate day where God's full plan is revealed for our life on that last day when God calls us home. And along this Christian journey, from beginning to end, every single one of us is going to face pits. We're going to face prisons. We're going to face times of famine. We're going to face things that go through life. And we say, God, why? Where are you? How could this be? Just know it's all about you being promoted. Amen? Amen. Let me give you five things that we find in Joseph's life that allowed him to be blessed in the middle of the test. Okay, number one is called faithfulness faithfulness. It's because of his faithfulness that Joseph was blessed. Number one, he had stewardship in the middle of slavery, Uh, stewardship in the middle of slavery. His father, Jacob, you think about Joseph's life and what he had seen. He saw Jacob be faithful working for Laban, uh, his uh, uh, cheat of an uncle, but yet he was blessed. Uh, Jacob has maybe, or Joseph has maybe taken that in, and Joseph now is working hard for Potiphar, Parents, that should be a lesson right there. You can teach your kids faithfulness and how their work ethic is. Uh, and so he, Potiphar is saying, man, this guy is different than all the other servants I have. He's faithful in what he does. And everything he does, man, he puts 110% into. And he's always doing a good job. He's always focusing on finishing well. And even if I give him a remedial task like clean the toilets, that's the shiniest toilet in my whole house. That's the kind of guy Joseph became for Potiphar. He didn't look at his situation and say, well, I'm better than this. I don't have to do that. And who are you to tell me I'm below that? I was the guy with the royal coat. My dad, I was my daddy's favorite. But that all went away. And he's saying, I'm giving this my very best right now. Right now. His master saw the Lord was with him. And because he saw the Lord with him, he promoted him. Think about that. Next time you want that higher paying job or you want to get promoted on that ladder, your boss, your coworkers know if you're working for the Lord. That's what the Bible is teaching us right here. They know if you're doing it for a paycheck. They know if you're doing it just to get by. They know if you're doing it only when the boss comes around and you do that, you put that face on and, oh, yeah, we're, doing, we're, not, we're not making jokes of everything. We're doing our job. The, the Lord is known. You think about uh, the story of Ruth and Boaz, that Ruth was faithful to do hard work, and Boaz took notice. You know what that tells me today? That God, not even your boss and your coworkers and your employees, they don't, not just them, but God the Father takes notice when you're faithful to the position He's put you in. Maybe there's a plan in play for where He's got you placed, and He wants to know, are you faithful to where I'm placing you? 
Are you doing a good job? Are you giving all of your hands to the work I have for you? Because maybe I want to teach you something in this season of life you're in right now. Maybe there's something I want to do through you. So Joseph doesn't throw his hands up. He doesn't give up. He could have kept on struggling with God. He could have kept on asking, why me, God? But instead, he began to glorify God through his circumstance. He was faithful. God will take notice of your hard work. And Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says this, Do all things, all things, all things, without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shall shine as lights in the world. That tells me our situation is going to be bleak, it's going to be dark, it's going to be perverse. As Christians in this world, we're not going to have the best uh, uh, circumstances, we're not going to have the best situations. We're going to go through times where people don't like us, things don't work out our way. But God is saying, I'm in the middle of something, I've got a plan for the circumstance you're in. If you'll just give it all you got and be faithful, watch me promote you. Amen? Amen? You can say it this way, give up the why and glorify, all right? Give up the why and glorify. What if God doesn't give you the why? Are you still willing to glorify God? Are you working as unto the Lord? So number one, Joseph was a faithful steward in the midst of slavery. Number two, the other thing that we can find in Joseph's life of why he was promoted, why he was successful, is number two, he had integrity. He had integrity. Joseph's this good-looking guy. And uh, Potiphar's wife uh, begins to desire him, this young little, uh, maybe he's 20-something by now. And she begins to desire them. The Bible says day after day after day after day, she enticed him to sleep with her over and over again. But Joseph, the Bible says that Joseph honored his master, and he also knew that adultery was a sin against God in Genesis 39.9. He knew what God said in his word, and he didn't want anything to disrupt God's plan for his life. And look in Genesis 39, verse 11. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men in the household were there inside. Guys, there should be a disclaimer right there. Men, don't be alone, okay, within the other ladies but your wife, okay? We shouldn't have to say that today, but there it is. There's a big red flag right there. If you're alone with a lady... Get out, shut the, go out somewhere else, open the door, do whatever you got to do because trouble's coming. Okay, I'm just saying that right now. That's just a, at the bottom of the screen today. All right? So it happened. He comes in. The men of the household are gone. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. He left his garment in her hand, let the coat fall off him, ran outside. And what does she do? She's embarrassed. She calls the guard. She tells him, hey, uh, this guy tried to attack me. I screamed. He ran away. She, she waits for her husband to come home. He comes home. Man, he is angry. How could you do this? You're my most faithful servant. Uh, I gave you so much. And yet uh, he throws him in the royal dungeon, in the royal prison. Joseph went to jail for doing the right thing. Sometimes in the middle of your circumstance, maybe it's at your school, maybe it's at your job, maybe it's in your family, You may stand up for the right thing to say the right thing, and it may not work out in your favor. That's called integrity. Integrity is not always saying no to what's wrong. Sometimes it's standing up for what's right. 
And sometimes there's going to be a moment where you, Christian, are going to have to stand up for what's right. That's called integrity. It may be fleeing from a circumstance or it may be standing up for something. But the Bible tells us in Matthew 5.11 that blessed are you when they revile you, when they persecute you, when they say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Not for your name, for God's name. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. Joseph had a sense of this. He had integrity. He could have compromised. You think Joseph could have thought, you know what? Mom and dad aren't around. I'm sold into slavery. My old life is over. I could just fall into the Egyptian. I could worship Egyptian gods. I could go to the Egyptian temple. I could just give up, you know? I mean, what's the point in trying anymore? Why be a Christian even today? Why do we even care? Because this doesn't work out and that doesn't work out. God didn't come through like he said he was going to come through. And how many Christians go through their life today? They come into church. They get saved. Everything goes good. But then when something comes bad, they just, well... Give it up. Go on. I might as well just merge back with the world. I might as well just go back to the things. And Joseph, even in the middle of Egypt, he didn't go. And even when he was alone, he, no one would have known. He could have had this uh, a relationship go on. But day after day, day after day, day after day, Joseph had said no. You know, it's hard to be pure when the enemy is persistent. You know that? We live in a world that is constantly bombarding us with immorality, with evil, with greed, with drugs, with alcohol, with addictions. We, as believers, live in a world where the enemy, day after day, is there, right there. Man, Monday morning comes, he's right there. Think about this. You should be depressed about that. You should be mad about what so-and-so said. Look at this on this TV screen. Look at this on this little phone screen. Look at this on Instagram. Look at this on Snapchat. Look at this on Facebook. You know, the Bible uh, tells us that Joseph had to resist it over and over and over again. That's integrity. That's integrity. It could be things that the bosses want you to cut corners at work. That's integrity. Stand up and say no. It could be things that the temptation of the, uh, today, it's not the, we think about the temptation of this world and all that it's putting out. This is the most uh, image conscious culture in the world, uh, in the history of man. Uh, we see uh, from the moment we hand our little fourth graders phones, they're exposed to pornography. And it's not just pornography, things we see on the television. Uh, you know, even uh, Beth and I were having a conversation the other day that we can't even turn on commercials. Even the news has cussing on it nowadays that our, my children will hear from the earliest age. You know, they say in the culture today in America, one in three women, not just men, one in three women are addicted to pornography. Seventy percent of men from the age of 18 to their mid uh, lower 30s are addicted to pornography. And that's not just in the world. That's in the church, too. We're all inundated with evil that is constantly bombarding us. Think this way. Go this way. We talk about the, the agenda of the left and the liberal agenda towards homosexuality that's in every TV show and everything that we look at today. We are constantly being bombarded. And it's not just maybe someone coming up to you to want to have adultery with you. There's everything. Cut a corner. Get a make a buck. Just slander that person. It's okay. Everybody else is doing it. Just look at this. Look at that. It's not really pornography. It's just a good, it's an image. It's this, it's that. Over and over again, Joseph was beaten down every day, every day. But when it came to it, he said, no, I'm God's plans. God's plans. Is evil trying to wear you down? Have you gone from a pit to a prison to persistently being bombarded by the enemy? You know, even if you have to lose family, if you have to lose friends, if you have to lose fortune, if you have to lose fun, all the things, the pleasures of this world, if you have to give it all up, remember one thing that Joseph held on to is that God 
rewards the righteous. If you're going through this life and you're wondering how you keep perspective, how do you get through these moments, how do you stay blessed in the middle of the test when things are persistently coming against you, the enemy is coming against you, your thought life, your, your behavioral pattern, all these things are coming against you. Joseph kept his eyes on the plan of God. And, and look at this in Genesis chapter 39, verse 21. Remembering that God always rewards me if I stay righteous, the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. And gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer was committed to Joseph's charge, uh, committed to Joseph's charge, all the prisoners who were in the jail, so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. And the chief jailer didn't even supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made, to look at that last word, prosper. With the Lord, you can prosper in your prison. That's awesome, isn't it? You with me this morning? In the middle of all of this, Joseph says, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to keep integrity no matter what my coworkers do, what my family does, what everything comes my way when the enemy's over and over and over again in my life coming against me. And he goes uh, with integrity. He ends up going to jail. And in the middle of prison, God makes him prosper. Man, if that wasn't just enough, God, you know, I went to the pit, Lord, and you know, I did my job there and I worked for Potiphar. Lord, here we go again, God. I stood up for you again. And now I'm in prison. That's what I get for standing up for God. This is what I get for being a Christian. This is what I get for saying the right thing. But yet God caused him to prosper. Number one is faithfulness. Number two is integrity. Number three is humility. Joseph was humble. And he finds now he stood up for God. Yet though he's prospering in prison. You know what? He's still in prison. You think, oh, that's good news. Good job. He's still in prison. He's in the dungeon, the royal dungeon in the king's palace. And so he finds himself in prison in this dungeon. And the Bible says that he was humble. He finds himself in the middle of this dark dungeon. And he's with two, uh, uh, two servants of the king, a cupbearer and, a, and, a, and a, a cook, basically. And so he finds these two men. And the Bible says that because he's over the prison, he begins to serve these other men who are in the same condition as him. Not only does he serve them, he begins to bless them. He's concerned when they're sad. Here's Joseph, sold by his brothers, you know, sent to Potiphar's house. And then he goes to jail in the prison for doing the right thing. And here he is in the middle of prison taking care of two people who are in the same situation as him. If not, they should have been better. I mean, they were royalty. They were, worked for the king. Here's this little Hebrew boy. He begins to serve them, wait on them, encourage them, lift them up. And he finds one day that they're really discouraged, and it comes out they both had two disturbing dreams, and he prophesies over the dreams with them, and, and he tells them, one of you going to live, and one of you going to die, and then it comes true. And he tells the one who is going to live, the cupbearer, he says, don't forget me, you know, intercede for me. But yet two years goes by, and nobody hears about Joseph. Nobody's thought about Joseph. Joseph's forgotten. Man, you ever felt like you were forgotten before? In the middle of a circumstance of life, who cares for me? Pastor hadn't called me. Church members hadn't forgot about me. Here's what's going on in my life, God. I said, I'd, you said I'd do this, God, but then this would happen. And I did what I thought I was supposed to do, God, but then this would happen. Joseph, in the middle of all of that, he didn't complain. He didn't argue. He didn't debate. He served. Think about this. He served in the middle of suffering. You know, it's so very easy in the middle of our suffering to get this tunnel vision. We get so self-focused, and, and really it's called pride, because I'm, I'm all thinking about me. God, here's what my feelings are. Here's, 
Lord, you should look at me. This is what's going on in my life. And, and they should, let me tell them, and they need to hear about my story. Joseph wasn't telling off his story to these bakers, these cupbearers. He was hearing their story. He wanted to encourage them. And what kind of a person is it that is so humble that says, God, I'm not so concerned with the situation that I am in my own suffering, but God, in the middle of my suffering, I'm going to be a servant. You know, one of the best healing things to do if you're suffering is serve. That sounds contradictory to everything that we learn. I need to medicate myself. I need to talk to somebody. I need to, you know, everybody needs to cuddle me and, and put a blanket around me and put a little pillow under my head. And that's all cool and good. But have you served anybody? Because there's no better ministry. There's no better feeling. There's nothing better than saying, God, I'm going to be selfless. God, I'm going to serve this person. There's another person maybe going through the same situation you're going through. Maybe they need to hear from you how what you've been going through, how it can help them. You know, we've got a, a, a you could have, maybe it's a grief ministry. Maybe it's a person who's gone through drugs or alcohol addiction. Maybe it's something that you've gone through emotionally or spiritually. And you say, God, who can I serve in the middle of my suffering? Because why? How did he do that? Because you can have hope and humility. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, that humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he'll lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and all your cares to God, for He cares for you. In the middle of your prison, you can have hope because you know, I'm not alone. You know what? I'm not alone. You're not alone. In the middle of your suffering, you're never alone. Because way back when, when he was 17 years old, God's saying, I've got a plan for you. I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to save you. I'm going to do something awesome with your life. But Joseph had to go through the pit and the prison. And number four, he had to learn patience. He had to learn patience. Since his first dream was 17 years old, at 17 he had his first dream. It had been 11 years he spent as a slave in Potiphar's house. This guy's 11 years a slave, and now it's been two years in a dungeon. Anybody in this room ever had two years in a dungeon before? Anybody can relate, you know? Uh, you know, two years in a dungeon, and yet God began to give Pharaoh this disturbing dream. So everything's hopeless and everything's gone, right? But Joseph held on to the Lord. And so Pharaoh gets this dream. Nobody can interpret the dream. And so finally the cupbearer remembers Joseph. He says, hey, I know this guy that I met back when we were in jail together. And so uh, I'm going to call him out. So they call him out, and Pharaoh says, hey, can you interpret this dream? And Joseph, man, being the humble guy, the faithful guy, the man of integrity that he was, he says, I don't interpret anything. God interprets dreams. And it's the Lord that's going to interpret your dream. So Pharaoh gives him the dream. He gets this uh, grand two dreams and joseph interprets him he says hey there's going to be seven years of famine come but there's going to be our seven years of plenty and then there's going to be seven years of famine and we need to take uh one-fifth of everything from the kingdom and hold it back as a reserve and so the pharaoh notices something about joseph he's saying in whom in all the kingdom is there a spirit of divinity a divine spirit is resting in this man there's something unique about him and who is this guy that comes out of a prison and has got the Holy Spirit inside of him? So he renames him, and he's ta- uh, his new name, uh, and he gives it to him. And he says his new name is Zaphnath uh, Pania, meaning God speaks, he lives. In those years, God blessed Joseph even more. He became administrator, second in command to Pharaoh, and he began to forget about the troubles of his life. Why? Because somehow in another, when he went through the pit and he went through the prison, he never lost the person of the Holy Spirit in his life. 
He kept it, and he said, God, I'm going to worship you in the middle of this prison. Despite the chains and the shackles, God, I'm going to shout. Even if it seems like there's a famine in my life, God, I'm going to feast at your table because, Lord, it's all about you. Is your life all about Jesus Christ this morning? Because no matter what you go through, it's all about giving him glory because God has a plan for your life. Amen? Amen. God has a plan for your life. But do you have patience through the pit and through the prison? He impatiently endured 13 years of trials, knowing God's blessing would come. It's not going to be easy following Christ, but it's always going to be worth it, someone once said. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 is a verse you can hold on to in the middle of that, because in the middle of your pit and your prison, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 in the New Living says, You have a priceless inheritance. It's an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. It is pure and undefiled beyond the reach and the change of decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on that last day for all to see. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Even though you must endure many trials in your life, He says, be glad because there's wonderful joy ahead. It doesn't matter what you're going through today. You have a priceless inheritance. Is that something maybe in the middle of that that pit or that prison, you could just close your eyes and say, God, I can see it. I can just, I get a glimpse, Lord, of what you have in store for me. I'm holding on to your word. And whenever you're in that dark moment and it's a depressing moment and it's a hopeless moment, you pull out that word of God and you say, God, I'm remembering your word. I'm meditating on your word. God, I'm going to serve in the middle of suffering. I'm going to stay humble in the middle of all this humility, Lord, that you're taking me through. And every day I'm saying, God, I'm going to be truly glad. There is joy ahead. Joy ahead. Do you have joy today? Is there joy in your life? Even though you're enduring many trials, God is protecting you by his power. They don't always feel like it, though, does it? They don't always look like it, though, does it? But he was never alone. And the last thing Joseph has to learn, number five, is forgiveness. So Joseph has had these years of plenty. He's, he's learned all these things. And the, the amazing thing about God is he began to maybe put together these pictures. Because what he had to learn at Potiphar's house was preparing him for the purpose of God later in his life. There are things that God puts you through that really are a part of his plan for what he wants to do in you later. Maybe it's that skill set, that dream, that vision. Maybe it's going through that crisis that's going to actually be a part of your ministry later on. And what he had learned at Potiphar's house had prepared him for leading the whole kingdom. Had he had not gone into slavery, he would never have learned how to run an entire kingdom. You see this in the plan of God. But yet God had to put a pit there and he had to put a prison there. But yet God had a plan. And so Joseph has learned all these things. He's become an administrator. Great things have happened. He's lived through seven years of plenty. And now it's two years into the famine. And immediately, uh, uh, Jacob, he's, man, we are not going to make it. So I've heard Egypt has some food. Sends the ten, uh, the nine brothers down. And he uh, leaves Benjamin. Now Benjamin was the new son of Joseph, uh, his full brother by Rachel. And Rachel had died in labor. And Joseph had never seen his mother again. He'd lost his mother. His mother was gone. 
The brothers go down and Joseph, they meet Joseph. He's in disguise and he begins, to, he recognizes his brothers immediately. He begins to test them. Man, you know the emotions that would come over. You sold me into slavery. I'm going to have you. I mean, he could have just, whoo, he is all powerful, right? Begins to test them and sees where their heart is at. So he begins to test them and he tells them, I think you're a spy and you're no good and you're coming here to look for our food. And, and so they deny it and they say, we're just sons of uh, this guy up in Canaan and uh, we're just shepherds and yada, yada, yada. And so he puts them in prison for three days uh, and he lets them out. And he says, here's what I want you to do. You say you have a new brother. Go get your younger brother so I know that what you say is true. And until then, I'm going to keep one of you here. So he keeps Simeon. Simeon, he puts in jail, and he says, releases them, I'm going to bless you, here's your food and your stuff, and he secretly puts the money back into their saddles, and they go off, and when they get home, they realize, man, they're going to think we stole this money, but how can we not return, because our other brother is in jail, and they tell their father, and he's like, what have you done to me, I can't send Benjamin back with you, I've already lost Joseph, he's dead, now I've lost Simeon, he's in prison, and so they don't go back, they wait until all the rations are gone, and they've waited, and maybe a year goes by. And they've left them there. And finally, they run out of food again, and they decided, let's go. we got to go back. And so they convince their father, and they go back uh, to Egypt. And they make that long journey to Egypt, and they, there they meet Joseph again, and Benjamin's with him. And Joseph welcomes them into their, his home, reunites them with his brother, makes a feast for them. And behind the scenes, Joseph is just weeping. He is a mess. He is just distraught. One, he knows his mother is dead. He's never going to see his mother again. But yet at the same time, he's got this new baby brother that he's never met. He's lost 22 years at this point of his life is gone. But God's been good. God's blessed. He's got a new wife. He's got two kids of his own. And so God's got, he sees the plan of God now. And he begins to understand what God had done. And now that his brothers have come, he's able to help his father. And he begins to put all this together. No doubt the emotions in his life are just a wreck. I mean, the dude can't help but squall at a picture. I mean, like he's just a, a, a mess. And they come there, they eat together, and he even breaks tradition. And he goes and eats with his brothers in disguise. And so he sends them off and he loads them down with tons of goods, but he plays a little trick on them, and he puts this silver cup from his table, and he puts it in Benjamin, his whole brother's uh, satchel, and he sends them out, again, to test them in their hearts. And he had heard while they were sitting there eating uh, that they were worried. They had, they had distraught over what they had done to Joseph because they didn't know he spoke Hebrew. And so he had heard this, and his spirit is for them, and they're sorry for what they did, sends them off, and he tells his soldiers, go catch him as soon as they get out of the city. He catches them, and they find out that in the satchel of Benjamin uh, is this cup. And they said, whoever has that cup, you've got to go to jail. You're going to die. They bring all the people back, and all of his brothers back, and they humble themselves before Joseph. They said, oh, my gosh, we, we, we didn't steal it. It wasn't us, but we're sorry. We we're slaves before you. We humble ourselves before you. We're at your mercy. We repent of everything we've ever done. We're guilty. Just do whatever you want with us. And Joseph says, I'm just going to let you all go. I'm just going to keep this youngest one. Judah immediately stands up and he says, you can't do that. Man, this is the son of my, uh, the last son of Rachel is my father's favorite. We've already lost Joseph and it would kill our father. And Judah begins to weep and cry because, man, this is the same guy that sent Joseph to the pit to begin with. The one who was going to kill Joseph to begin with. And now he sees him standing up for his brother, his baby brother. And this, the emotions, he just breaks and he uh, just cries out and he begins to weep. And he says, I'm your brother. And he begins to cry and hug them all. And they just amaze. And what had happened, 
And in the middle of this, Joseph could have said, you're all going to prison, you're all going to die, you're all guilty of murder, you're all guilty of this. But look with me in Genesis 45, verse 5. For all of us who are in the middle of a trial where you don't get what's going on, this is what Joseph had to learn. In Genesis 45, verse 5, and then in verse uh, 8. Now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Then he goes on. Now therefore it was not you who sent me here, but God. It wasn't you who sent me here, but God. God put Joseph on a journey that may have involved some pits, some prison, some worry, some strife, some hopelessness. But along the way, God was teaching Joseph something. He's saying, Joseph, I've got a plan for your life. My goal is to save you and save your family. It's to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. I know the plans I have for you, Jeremiah 29, 11. And that God was sovereign in the middle of Joseph's life. But Joseph had to be faithful. He had to have integrity. He had to have humility. He had to have patience. And the last lesson he had to learn was forgiveness. Man, in that middle of that power, sometimes it's, we, you know, we, we want to talk about forgiving other people. 22 years of your life being ruined is, is, is a lot to forgive. And Joseph could have held it over with the power. He could have punished his family. But when he saw the plan of God's salvation, he gave glory to God. He got his eyes off of man. And he put his eyes on God. And maybe today your eyes are on some things that shouldn't be. And some things that you've had your eyes on is bitterness. And it's been unforgiveness and, and doubt and worry and regret and fear and, and hopelessness and all these things. And when we look to man and we look down and we look at the circumstance, yeah, you're going to get all that junk. And if Joseph had kept his eyes on man, if he would have kept his eyes on what his brothers had done to him, if he would have kept his eyes on what Potiphar had, Potiphar's wife had done, if he would have held all these grudges, he would have been one of the most bitter people in all of Egypt. But when he said, God, my eyes are on you, I see your plan, I see your purpose, I see your power, and God, I'm going to glorify instead of just asking. Asking why all the time. Amen? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 tells us to consider Jesus Christ who endured such hostility uh, because you and I, we haven't even uh, done what he's done. He says, He endured hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and use heart. Let me tell you something Joseph's life is really all about Jesus Christ. Uh, in your life, whatever you're going through, in your pit, in your prison, and the, the problems you have, it's, all, it's not about you, it's about him. Uh, You see, it's not about what you need and what you don't have and what you should have done and all that kind of stuff. It's not about you. It's all about him. Because, see, Joseph's life to you and I today becomes the perfect illustration of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the most loved son of his father, right? He was the most royal one of all of heaven. And yet he was hated by mankind. His very own hated him, the Bible says in John. And he was sold down to earth as a slave of man, Philippians tells. He became a slave of all men. And he put on flesh and he didn't despise it. And yet Jesus comes down, he goes from a son to a slave and then to a savior, just like Joseph. And he comes and he, he, he gets hated. And nevertheless, he becomes faithful and he proves his endurance and his faithfulness to his father to take that journey to the cross 
despite false accusations like Joseph, despite slander, despite a bad reputation, he goes down into the pit of, the, of hell itself, taking on death for you and me. But the Bible says in the middle of that pit, God raised him up to new life, and he became a savior of all mankind. Amen? And today... He gives forgiveness to those who sold him out. Jesus Christ today is willing to forgive you against all your wrongs against him. Right? That's what he does. You and I, we sold out to God. We, we gave up on him. We cursed him. We slandered him. We sold him off and said, God, I don't want nothing to do with you. Every time we sin, every time we think immoral thought, every time we gossip, every time we slander, every time we neglect anything of his word, we say, God, we want nothing of you. And yet Jesus says, I forgive you. I forgive you. For those nails in my hands, I forgive you. For those wounds on my back, I forgive you. For the thorns in my head, I forgive you. Because it wasn't about you, it was all about God. It wasn't about you, it was all about Him. And I'm glorifying uh, Him. And what He does today, and just like Joseph brought his father back to Egypt, restored his family together, Jesus Christ is in the business of restoring you in the family of God. He's restoring your mind. He wants to restore your heart. He wants to restore your faith. He wants to restore your love. He wants to restore your relationships with God. And all you've got to do today is consider Him. Consider God and His plans for your life. What does the Word say that He wants to do for you? Because if you focus on God today, if you be faithful, if you have integrity, if you walk humbly with the Lord your God, if you be patient If you learn to forgive others as God has forgiven you, you will be blessed in the test because you've given God your very best. You can stop asking why and you can start glorifying the God of all creation who loves you and gave his son up for you. And you can remind yourself in the middle of all those places you're going to go through in this journey of life, he's not done with me yet. Amen?